Welcome to Dream Home Ninjas. I'm Mike. I'm Keith. And I'm Josh. We're here with Robert Patrick Apuzo from Mastercraft Painting. And I'm Robert. We're going to be talking about painting today. So he is a great, great friend of mine. I actually grew up with his son, and we went to grade school together, high school together. I want to get him on the show here and uh, talk about painting and, and everything that he can uh, provide all the information for our listeners. But hold on. He's the first thing everybody who listens to our show hears. Why is that? Oh, yeah, that too. What Rob does, he has a side gig where he has a band called Some Years Later. In our intro on our show, the song that you hear, the name of the song is actually called TV Face. We asked Rob, and he kindly allowed us to use that for our intro. We'll definitely be talking about his band some years later, and we have talked about him in the past on previous shows. Moral of the story here is, let's talk about painting, boys. Let's paint. Rob, first things first, how long have you been in the industry? How long have you been doing this? Well, and I knew you'd drop that bomb on me. It, it sounds like I'm an old man, but probably better part of 38 years now. I just did the math in my head. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't believe where time has went, but yes. So you've been painting since you've been two. <laughs> I got into it right pretty much two years out of high school. Uh, you know, and I did my apprenticeship, which most people don't know what that is because the unions aren't as big as they used to be in the painting industry. But yes, about 38 years. There's an apprenticeship? Wow. Yeah, an apprenticeship. Back in those days, house painters were more like janitors. You know, you have the handyman and do this, do that. There was so much free land, especially up in Schaumburg area. All that was cornfields. You know, Meacham Road in the late 70s was nothing. So all these development and people that built these big subdivisions like town and country homes and Sentex homes, they just built up these lands. So the best thing to be as a painter, go to school and do an apprenticeship and find a company that will allow you to do that, which is what they did back then. A lot of the locals would send their apprentices to apprenticeship school so they could gradually learn to become a journeyman and work with a contractor. Mm. Wow. That's exactly what I did back in the day. And how long was your apprenticeship? Oh, it's, it's a three-year program. Oh, okay. You don't go every day. It's like every Saturday of the month. There were eight-hour days, and you cover everything from back in the days, window glazing to wallpapering. And every aspect of all that in between, which is common painting and prepping and blah, 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 blah. I mean, it goes on and on. Are they still doing that? You know what? I haven't really checked into it. I have a few friends that are actually still working in the union shop in DuPage County that say that, you know, they run non-union and union shop because the union, you know, let's face it, they're not building like they did it through the 80s and early 90s. And if they do, it's way out, you know, far where most people don't even like to drive to. So it's such a small ratio of, of union painters that do brand new residential with all these projects where you get 40, 50 homes being built. It just ain't like that anymore. So they're running a lot of non-union guys. I don't know if they still do the union school. I would imagine it's out there, maybe one or two places, but definitely not like it used to be. That was almost a necessity if you really wanted to be in, in the real painting, what we call the brotherhood of painting. <laughs> right. The unions are still there. They're, all the shops are around. It's just, I, I honestly, I don't know how they're surviving. Yeah, most guys nowadays, it's kind of like if you're qualified to go buy a brush, then you're qualified to be a painter. Exactly. Yeah, most certainly. Rob, now you obviously own Mastercraft. How long has Mastercraft been in business? So you started from right out of high school, but did you jump into your own company? Did you work for someone? My father actually started Mastercraft in 1979. My mother thought of the name for him as he proceeded to get out of being supervisor at Tootsie Roll Factory. Mm -hmm. After that, he got into trade helping his nannies building, his mother's building. 
in Mellows Park, and he would start doing little odds and ends. And before you know it, he went right into tiling and painting. When I graduated in 82, I started this band called Small Change, which Keith, you probably heard of that in the days. Small Change. Right. Ironically, my painting company was also called Small Change. And I was only, I want to say, 20 years old by then. I rented out a place right in town here, a storefront where I would have my small change painting company, and I would keep all my ladders and stuff in the back. And then in the back of this building, we'd have a band set up, and we actually would have a band there called Small Change. My father said, you know what, I'm going to just do tiling. You know, your name, people may think you're cheap. He's low cost. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I thought back then, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. People could get misled. So... That was it. The band stayed the same. I went into Mastercraft, and that's pretty much how that all started, and I haven't stopped since. Awesome, awesome. On either front. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you're based out of River Grove or Elmwood Park, Rep? Well, Elmwood Park, River Grove is just for the mailing addresses, illegal okay. stuff. Majority of your work is where? Where are you, where are you working? Good question. I think my biggest circle is River Forest, Oak Park, Elmwood Park, Franklin Park, Schiller Park. I do some work in the city of Chicago, not a lot, as far as downtown, we want to say. I shouldn't say just the city's downtown area. And then I'll probably, I want to say 20% of my business is out in Bloomingdale, Medina, uh, Roselle, Elk Grove Village. Wow, so you cover a pretty decent-sized area. I, I do, and, and in the past, I'll tell you, this will make you laugh. We did a job way out, and I say where Moses left his slippers. <laughs> <laughs> the south end of Oswego in the cornfields. You keep driving. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've also done Woodstock, which is a far drive for me, you know, oh, out yeah. of this area. So I have covered areas. It's just it's not super common, that's all. What do you specialize in other than painting? <laughs> well, that's a good question because back in the day, I could say I did a lot of faux finishing. You know, that was huge. Marbleizing, suede painting, and all that little fancy tricks that Ralph Lauren first came out with. You know, I kind of conquered that my own way and started doing it like abstract, and I got very good at it. Not to brag, but, you know, making like pieces of wood into marble or granite, doing all these effects. I've done a lot of that. So back in the day, I could say specialized painting, interior, exterior, and about 80% residential repaints. Now, basically, that is phased away. Nobody's doing that. We never did wall covering, by the way. Right. I learned it in trade school, and I'll be honest with you, it won one ear and out the other. Oh, like wallpaper and stuff? Right. Any kind of wall covering, I just never got into that. For some reason... I couldn't get the concept of measuring and cutting these and looping them and double cutting. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea why. So in case that question comes up, no, we don't do that. Well, I mean, that's not a bad thing. Not too many people do that nowadays. <laughs> and right now, specializing, I would just say my basic specialist is, is interior and exterior painting in residential market. We don't do too much commercial anymore. It's basically a lot of residential repaints. You know, after 30-something years, one thing I like to say to people that ever think that they could just start a business in a year, it's very difficult, obviously, unless you've had billions of dollars in marketing money to put your name out there. We all know that starting with flyers or handing out business cards 
take a long time to make some money. I don't advertise anymore because I've been in business so many years and I've done all the church bulletins and newspaper ads and charity events. The card gets passed out. You know, when people say it's a small world, it's a big world. Well, you know, the cards, they just, after so many years of handing things out, it becomes like a wheel now. So now I know I can almost predict every year as the year starts off, this going to be an outside year. I'll tell you that right now. It's been two years since a lot of clients have called. There's a lot of stuff that we'd never got to, I guarantee. And it's sure enough, we have, you know, six or seven exteriors versus maybe two or three in the whole 12 months because we got flush with inside jobs. Oh, wow. I don't advertise now. Now the phone don't stop. Unfortunately, nowadays with the cell phones, a lot of my clients reach to the cell phone, which uh, I always wanted to separate as time went on and keep it personal. But I guess that's never going to happen. Not when you're the business owner. It never happens. Exactly. <laughs> nope. You get customers texting you, you know, I'm ready to paint something. Exactly. You know that you just said it. Send you a picture of their house. Right. Okay, I want to paint that now. <laughs> or Robert, what do you think about this? Can you give me an opinion on this? Yeah. Or paint colors. Yeah. Don't text me pictures of paint chips. Yeah, you're right. Oh, then do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, speaking of paint chips, we're going to get to that. But Rob, we're going to take a quick break with our sponsors here, and we'll be right back. Sounds good. Before we go, I want to bring up, we're doing a big season finale show. Yeah. Vic will kill me if we don't say this. So <laughs> okay. I gotta say it. It's gonna be a special show, special guest. It's gonna be an on-site deal. And nice. uh, yeah, we're gonna make it an hour-long show. We'll see you on the flip side. Let's Go Racing airs Monday from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Mike Babich, the voice of Wilmot Raceway, talks all things racing, from the dirt tracks of Wisconsin to the big tracks of NASCAR. See how Mike brings you a daily dose of encouragement using all left-hand turns, brought to you through the financial support of Wilmot Raceway. For more information on Wilmot Raceway, visit www.wilmotraceway.com. This is Mia. Listen to my daddy on Dream Home Ninjas. Welcome back to Dream Home Ninjas. We're on the phone with Rob with Mastercraft Painting. Yes, sir. I want to get to the meat and potatoes here, Rob. The one thing that I could say is I'm a homeowner. I hate painting. I'm a plumber. I love plumbing, but I hate painting. <laughs> a lot of people don't like to paint. And if they try it, they'll tell me, Rob, I did this about five years ago. I don't want to ever pick up a brush again. And I'll laugh. <laughs> I'm like, right. okay, I got you. I know. <laughs> right, exactly. So definitely give us the tips for our listeners. What kind of paint brushes, what kind of paint types that are out there that you use at your customer's houses, they're going to have best strokes. Right. Yeah, and what makes it easier? Because that's definitely a thing. I mean, I learned to paint. I hate painting, still do, but I hated it a lot when I didn't do it professionally. I learned from a few guys some tips and tricks. These are guys that they started 40 years ago, but they had the qualifications of they could buy a paintbrush. Yeah. From somebody who's been doing this a long time and, and was formally trained in it, what kind of things really make this easier for the average Joe, make it less hateable? Well, first of all, this is a right-handed world. I feel sorry for the left-handed guys out there. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I tried to paint, you know, I could paint a little bit lefty, but it is a right-handed world, meaning by even, you know, working with sash brushes and stuff, unfortunately. But as far as being like the easiest way, first of all, I'm a big, big purdy person as far as paint brushes, okay? Right. Do you think they've maintained the quality over the years? Because I heard they used to be better back in the day. Yes. Oh, my God. They Well, of course they were a lot better back in the day, but still to this day, I'll buy, you know, maybe two, two and a half sash brushes, which is my favorite for inside. And I want to say seven months of the year, I'm still with the same one. 
and then I'll finally retire at what we call for an outside something quick oil job where I could just totally brush out. But mm-hmm. they last that long because I'm all about washing brushes. I teach my guys that when you're washing that brush, until that water comes clear out of the heel after you're squeezing it, and I don't mean just, you know, running it through water or anything. You gotta squeeze it in the heel. And when it comes out clear, then, you know, you could spin it and, and shape your brush and put it back in its sleeve. Right. The reason with that is it gives you the longevity of that heel. Most some brushes you pick up and you only and just say it's two and a half inches and only some of the tip is soft. The rest is all hard. Right. A quick wash job. Oh, I didn't have time last time. And that's how you ruin them real quick. Of course. But Purdy, I like them. Yeah. Now, Wooster makes a good brush. Don't get me wrong. A lot of painters out there use their products. They're big. Just something about their brushes that Purdy has better. Purdy just makes a purdier brush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> what about the rollers? Do certain rollers fling paint? You know what I mean? What about that? Yeah, of course they do. And leave lint behind? All polyester rollers are the ones that they say are good for flat products, flat paints. Well, yes, they are good for flat paints, but boy, do they spit paint everywhere. So I mm-hmm. never buy the straight, and they're usually the orange-colored ones. You guys seen them before. Yeah. Right. Any of the sleeves that are kind of yeah. orange, and those are garbage. I always use the white lint, and I always go half-inch on everything. Right? Unless it's something with a stippled surface where I got to go three-eighths, you know, or something bigger that's different. But it's always half-inch. And I use that because it's good, especially with flat. You know, I use it with everything. I always have a half inch for my flat ceilings and a half inch for my walls. And I'm generally an eggshell guy. It's always eggshell for it. Most people don't want flat on their walls. That's kind of uh, something that you don't hear. Right. Now, there's so many different brands of paint out there. What is your favorite? You said you use Sherwin-Williams products. Obviously, you're going to be using that in your customer's home. And I know for a fact you use that in your house because I've seen you paint in your house. So Yes. Oh, yeah. How about these other products that are out there from different companies? You get Bear, PPG. Yeah, you get Pittsburgh. Benjamin Moore. What's your opinion about those so that the listeners can have something to base off of if they can't afford to do the Sherwin-Williams paint? Because Sherwin-Williams paint is the premium end. It is pricey, but the reason paint industry was small back in the day. Now it's humongous. You know, your mom and pop stores are gone. Bear came in the picture. You know, back in the day, the Builder's Supply, you guys are Builder's Square. I'm sure you remember that, Keith. You're not that old. <laughs> right. I remember. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Builder's Square, they'd have their own product. But a lot of the paint companies that we know of make that product. See, that's the marketing end of it all. Right. So Dutch Boy, well, Sean Williams owns Dutch Boy. They make Dutch Boy paint. Is it the same as Sean Williams in the store? Hell no. Right. They're probably still making it in the same factory Dutch Boy made it in. It's just a merger for money, but they own the company. As far as the products goes, Benjamin Moore makes some good products. I'll never down them. I just feel that they were overpriced. Now, to me as a contractor, and I have an account at Benjamin Moore at a J.C. Lit store, and I've compared. Now, you can't go regal with them because the regals are always the more, you know, $50 gallon paints, 45 42 sometimes in some cases, but they're all up there. Right. The regal to me is like Sherwin-Williams Promar 200, which is what I use. Mm-hmm. That's all the products, which you can't buy as a customer because they don't have that. That's for contractors. Another thing I like, any contractor or any customer can actually go and buy in the Benjamin Moore store. You'll see their cheaper brand, the Super Spec. You'll see that. Uh, and it's right on the walls. You know, obviously, customers that come in right off the street will say, well, what is that product? Well, that's our lower grade and blah, 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 blah. Sherwin-Williams, when they market their products, you go in the store, yeah, you're seeing all the high-end stuff. 
you know, in the marketing end, it's a high-end product, but it, it's the same, and, and I shouldn't really squeal this like this because these guys support me. It's almost the same product I'm using, but obviously it's something that the consumer can't buy unless they say it to the sales rep. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like Coke and Pepsi. I mean, it, they're pretty similar, but slight differences. Right, exactly. But as far as even getting the bear paint, bear paint, you know, they have that paint and prime, which guys and everybody listening out there, don't be fooled by that because there's no such thing as primer that could be all mixed in one liquid with paint. <laughs> I am so old school. Yes, I believe in, in a real primer, applying the primer, letting it dry properly, and then going over. No such thing as paint and primer. Well, not even Sean Williams will put that on some of the labels. Because, see, here we go. It's like monkey see, monkey do. And they're trying to all fight to get the consumer to come in and buy. So, marketing. Yeah, it's all marketing gimmicks and trying to convince them. Right. It's got so out of hand. I mean, everybody and their uncle. And Bear's got great marketing strategies. Now, as far as a painter using the product, oh, God, I can't tell you how many times I've used their paint. Yeah, it's not bad. Do I like its flowability when I'm rolling the wall? It's different. If you're so used to using one kind of product, you'll kind of know if it feels maybe a little grittier Mm -hmm. or a little thicker in some areas when you're trying to level out with two rollers. You know, those situations, as far as how good they wear and tear, I really couldn't tell you because I've I've been a Sherman Williams user guy and I know in my own house and even with clients with five kids, the eggshell always works out well. What the consumer don't know unless they ask is how to wash a wall properly to get fingerprints off without scratching the actual eggshell finish. Oh. They always get confused. Well, Robert, I washed the wall with, you know, just clear water. But on the end of it, if I'm looking when the sun's coming in, I still see my smear. And I said, well, you you actually scratched the eggshell. Well, what do you mean? Well, here, this is what they don't tell you. You got to have a clear spray bottle, spray the wall. You lubricated the wall. Always take a white, damp, clean, like old T-shirt, clean, but damp already. And then you proceed to wipe your wall in a circular motion. Why? Because you lubricated the wall with the spray bottle. And then you already have a damp rag. Now you're not actually scratching the, what we call, little bit of clear that is in the eggshell paint to give it the eggshell finish. You know, the shinier your paint is, the more clear that's in that product. That's what gives it the shine. Hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that. But as far as longevity goes, never had a problem. Somebody saying, hey, Rob, the paint's peeling. Or why does the paint look funny all of a sudden? Never. And I can't vouch for any other company other than I've used more plenty of times. Never had a callback, but I don't use them constantly. So same with Benjamin Moore. Have I used anybody else like Dutch Boy? No, because in these day and age, I still was always a firm believer you get what you pay for. Right. You want to go buy the $10, $12 gallon paint and, you know, expect that. Come on, guys, you know. I got a question. When you're painting, how do you get the edging right where you're not getting it all over the place? <laughs> that is like the most the frustrating lines. thing when I, I paint. Love it. <laughs> you know, I, that's a, you're talking to a guy that can tell a story while I'm cutting a line from color to a white ceiling. No, I'm going to tell you something, guys, and you can vouch for this if you've been plumbing for years. There's no textbook that's going to teach you the right way. There's no YouTube video that you could watch for hours in a day that's going to make you perfect that, what he's doing in the video. How about a tool? No. Yeah, a tool? Nah, there, there is no tool for that. <laughs> it's all about the hands, baby. It's the hands, babe. You know, the way you hold a pencil 
which obviously these young kids don't hold pencils anymore, and I feel bad because <laughs> that's an actual training for actually holding a brush. And I always used to test people. They said they painted a few years. I said, all right, here's the brush. Take this brush. If they hold it like a fist, and they said, what? And I said, what? You're fired. Don't even think of you ever <laughs> talking to me. What did, what did I do? I said, look at how you're holding that brush. You're supposed to hold it like a pencil. That's how you're going to start painting. Rob, let's talk about some paint tips and tricks. What can you provide with all of those wonderful years you've had painting? Some things the homeowner can do to make their paint job a bit better. How about let's start with a prep. How do you prep? Okay, start with the prep. Yeah. To all anybody that's going to just do a room on their own, the biggest thing is uh, you have wood trim or do you have painted white trim? If it's painted white trim, then I suggest you paint that trim first. This makes it easier for the person that can't make a good line if you're doing color on top of that white trim. So paint all your trim first. Even the door jams, roll the doors out with your white semi-gloss. Get a little bit on the wall, maybe a half inch on the wall purposely, and I'll explain the why. Mm-hmm. You do all that. Once that dries, you go and blue tape only the baseboard. Unless you have a bad cutting hand and you're not used to this, then you can proceed to put the blue tape, and you must use blue only, not masking. What, duct tape, right? Yeah, not duct tape. Frog. No, frog tape. <laughs> yeah, frog tape is great. I say frog tape is more for people that are trying to make lines on the walls or do designs. It's a very good product, Uh, but the blue tape is a lot cheaper, and it works just as well as far as I'm concerned. And you got to be careful with the frog tape because they have a couple different adhesive mixtures in there. So you, you have one that doesn't stick very well. You have one that like sticks extremely well. You put the wrong one of those on there, and it can rip off the paint that you just put on there. Yeah, there you go. Well, anyway, so after you do that and you start painting your walls, whatever color you're using, now you're able to just proceed cutting your whole wall out against the blue tape. You already taped your lines of the white trim. You roll out your walls, and if it's two coats, you do a whole two coats, do the same procedure over again. After it dries, then you can pull your tape off your white trim, and you'll see it's a sharp razor line. That's a good trick for the homeowner. Just blue tape it. In fact, I've seen people put the blue tape on the ceiling, too, so they don't hit the white ceiling. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did that. It works. <laughs> yeah, see, you've done that. Right. But the problem with that is most of them will leave it on too long. They peel it off the flat white ceiling, then it starts peeling paint off. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it could become a big mess. We had drop ceiling. We had it on, and the track was up there. And it actually made me get through painting the whole room in like an hour. Yeah, nice. What about roller prep? That's one of the things I've seen is rollers will leave a lot of lint. Well, that's why I always suggest people buy lint-free rollers. If they're using anything but flat, and that's the white nap rollers, they're always, you'll see on the packaging, lint-free. You won't get none of those little hairs, as we call it. A lot of people make a mistake. They'll start rolling a wall, and they'll answer their phone, or they'll go do something. They stop what they're doing, and then they come back, and then they dip the roller and try to roll into that dry edge. Well, there's a no-no. The wall is going to turn out all patchy. Once you start rolling your wall, it's got to be corner to corner. You can't stop. Finish it, and then take a break if you have to. But you always got to, and we call it make the W. So when you roll, you dip your paint, you make a W, dip it again. Then you start going up and down and you overlap real nice. And with the lint-free rollers, half inch, they leave a nice smooth finish. Nice. Do you recommend wiping down the wall, cleaning it up before you start painting on it? That's a good question. Number one, you always look at the situation you're in. 
If it's a bedroom and you see that it's normal, you, you want to repaint it after three years, all I lightly do is lightly sand with maybe 150 sandpaper just to get some of the old, what we call, pits off the walls, just to lightly swirl it. I always feel with my hands first to see what kind of finish that was on there before. What am I contending with? For a homeowner, you can feel it with your own hands. If it feels smooth and you don't think that really was a dirty, nobody was smoking in the house, then just a light sand and you're ready to go. Really. There's no wall washing. Uh-huh. Back in the day, we used to use trisodium phosphate, TSP. That was huge on the market. People had semi-golf kitchens. Instead of repainting, they would wash and it would actually come out nice. Or prep it for painting. We used to TSP walls just prior to painting. Obviously, if it's a kitchen and you want to repaint your kitchen, most grease areas that you sometimes don't even see are everything around the stove area. Up near the ceiling, soffit ceiling areas, that's always a problem for even moderate cookers. You don't have to be a greasy cooker. Right. If you haven't touched it for two or three years, it's going to have a film. Then I would always suggest going to your local hardware store or the big box stores and buying a little box of TSP. They still sell it. Read the instructions and don't use it for prepping a wall to paint. Just use it for cleaning purposes and they'll tell you how much to use. And similar with somebody who's smoking in a house. Yeah. In those situations, then I would go to Menards, which I love. The Zingers are one, two, three primer. I yep. love that stuff to death. I really do. It's great for outside spot priming. It's good for everything inside. I've sprayed with it prior to painting kitchen cabinets when people want to convert, which, by the way, guys, is real big nowadays. A lot of painting cabinets, huh? Now, what about prepping the paint itself? I've seen professionals strain the paint, but I have not seen a homeowner ever do that themselves. No, and I'll tell you why. That's old school thinking. Uh, I don't even do that. When I get a gallon, I just, you know, two or three gallons mixed at Sherwin Williams. I take it and I pour it in my five. And I work on a five gallon buckets. Most homeowners, they think they have to buy that paint pan, which by the way, people that are listening, try and find a five gallon bucket, pour your paint in the bucket, get a little screen. They make them at the stores, put it in the bucket and put your roller on that screen and roll off the screen in the five gallon bucket when you want to roll instead of a pan. A pan is exposed to all angles of air. And even if you put that roller down for two minutes and you're done rolling the wall and you forgot to cover it with a rag, it's going to start getting hard on the sides. It starts to dry. And now you're dealing with a lot of nonsense. Anybody that's getting an idea of painting, try working out of a five-gallon bucket. You'll be much happier. Well, that's some good stuff. That's really good, actually. That brings me to another question that I've got. Homeowners, a lot of times, are just doing a room that maybe needs two gallons. Right. You go to whatever your store of choice is. You buy your two single gallons. Should they paint half the room with one gallon, then open up the second and paint the other half? No, I would always suggest boxing both together. Open them both up. If you have another empty can, then you obviously you pour a little of that and a little of that and a little of that. You're like a chemist until both gallons are mixed. <laughs> it sounds goofy. Or if you're doing the bucket method, like I'm telling people, get your five-gallon bucket. Well, then obviously you can open up one gallon, which I always do, and I would pour it almost all the way into the five-gallon bucket until there's a little left in that can. And then I would open up the other can and pour that a little bit in the five, but the rest into the other can that I just had. And I'll mix it. So I poured already two solutions in the five, and I have a little bit what I call my cotton pots, but probably almost a quart in each can. Do you follow me? Right. Yeah. And you'll know right away if they made a boo-boo, if one can looks like you could see the color you're putting in there, then it's a mistake. But most of the times, the computers don't really make an error. I got to say, this, this industry now is all push button. The tin comes out. It's pretty thorough. 
I mean, I've only had maybe one or two situations where you picked up a couple of gallons and the machine didn't shake it good enough. There wasn't the color tint. Mm. The machine didn't shake it. So then you really got to box two together. I would always suggest boxing both together. And even if you only use one, you still box them both because you never know. Yeah, you don't want to go back to grab that can later to touch up a spot and it'd be different. Yeah, and all of a sudden, why did it dry funnier? Why did it dry lighter? Yeah, exactly. Do you clean and reuse your rollers? Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you want to wash them out. They are phenomenal to reuse again. That's why I always suggest lint-free and wash them very good again. Until that water runs clear, it's dirty. It's got to run clear. We're coming to an end, Rob. One more thing. I want to ask him, how do we get a hold of him? You can email me at Mastercraft Company, which is the letter CO, 1153 at net. Or you could call 708-456-7897. Before we end the show, I want to talk about some years later. You guys got a show coming up. Yes, actually, the listeners out there love that TV face, which we really love that. We have a lot of fun playing that song. You can come out to The Wire in Berwyn on Friday, October 25th. And I promise you during this spooky month of October that this is going to be a great visual presentation of the band. And musically, we're doing something totally different. And it's a show that you don't want to miss. It costs $10 to get in the door. Showtime is at 945. It's going to be a great event if you can get out there. You can stream us on Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, Google, or on YouTube. We released a new album in 2019. TV Face is on the new album. It's called Better Life. We would love you to check it out. Thank you for being on our show. You've provided a ton of information. Yeah, appreciate that. You've been listening to Dream Home Ninjas coming to you from Slipstream Studios on 21.6 The Net. (laughs) 